Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. I just adopted a new best friend, and I'm looking for a Toyota so we can make the most out of summer. With a new RAV4, you can take your pup for a drive up the coast. You can take a Prius to the park. Or you can take a Tundra to kayak at a remote lake. One problem, Jan. Oh? My new best friend's a cat. Your summer starts here, but it all ends June 3rd. Toyota, let's go places. Dealer inventory may vary, so you're participating Toyota dealer for details. Visit your front-range Toyota stores today. Toyota, let's go places. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now when you use code DNVR at sign up, you can make a $5 bet turn into $150 in free bets with code DNVR all throughout the NBA Finals. Just got to pick a winner to turn that $5 into $150 with code DNVR on DraftKings Sportsbook. I am your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me as he does each and every week, voice of the Colorado Rockies, host of the Drew Goodman Podcast, it's our buddy Drew Goodman. What's going on, dude? Not too much, man. How are you? Got a good run in this morning, I hear. Uh, You know it. You know, the rumors are true. Feeling good. Got my caffeine coursing through my blood. Loving life. Good deal. Good deal. How are your runs out in California? Because it, it, there was a bit of a heat wave here going on. We'll, we'll get to that uh, a little bit later, but kind of uh, kind of a heat wave and, uh, and just a hot uh, series of, of play by the Rockies uh, on top of it all. Yeah, my runs were good. Uh, San Francisco, uh, you know, I, I run down on the Embarcadero and so that's uh, that's always nice. And then um, in San Diego, there's not, nothing bad about anything in San Diego. So I run on the water is there uh, there as well. So it was good. And, and yeah, the the baseball portion, it was strange, man, because I think really after that nine nothing drubbing on Friday night, it felt like things were from a win loss standpoint were were much different in the week than they actually were. And I think some of that has to do with the, you know, the first game of, uh, of that double header where the, they're in the 10th inning, it looks like they're going to get it to the 11th. You have a real good chance there with two outs. And then unfortunately, Elias Diaz's throw uh, with Machado trying to move up on a wild pitch goes in the left field ball game over. Uh, and then, you know, they win the nightcap, which they've been doing. They, they keep splitting, you know that. And, and then they play a really nice ball game yesterday. And you go home and you're four and three after going to San Francisco, who's hanging in there, and they just swept the Dodgers. But but preceding that, you take two of three there. We know they ever play well there. San Diego's really good, playing really well, and you get a split there. So you go home four and three, really good week. Oh, really, really good week. Yeah. I, I'm curious just to go back on it. Do you ever run into Balboa Park at all while you're in San Diego? I ran up there yesterday. I ran up to I, I did run up that direction yesterday. I usually run out past toward toward the airport, um, but I went the other direction. Past, if you know San Diego, past the Hilton, over the bridge, past Petco, and then up toward Balboa Park yesterday. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. That, to run into I've never run into Coronado. I mean, that bridge is 
that's a workout right there. Yeah, you know, I've never. Uh, I, I went over it in a in an Uber uh, to the beach on Friday, first part of the day. Does that count? It's a little hairy, almost. Like you look at that thing when you're going up it. Oh boy. Yeah, I got it. You know, I've, I've I guess I, I've run over the Golden Gate a couple of times. Maybe I'm gonna have to knock off the Coronado Bridge some point. That's that's uh, that's an interesting one. That would be uh, a serious workout to say the least. Yeah, yeah. Rockies, man, they they got to work out. There, uh, as we said, in California, and just look really strong. You know, nearly came away with those two extra inning wins. Two games, both ending on errors. Just kind of one of those strange things, like you said, the 9-0 loss on on Friday night. But overall, it it was almost like they needed it. You know, it's it's hard to know really when you have like must win games or must win series. But after losing four straight to Atlanta and and going, uh, I believe, eight games under 500 after such a hot start. You thought ah, this trip to California, you'd almost be lucky if you could take a game from both the Giants and the Padres, you know, go go two and five, which is three more games under 500. And, you know, maybe maybe this is kind of the the start of the end of the season. It's still plenty early, but, you know, you don't like that. They do the exact opposite. And they as we said, they go four and three. And I think it was really responsive from the team to to kind of get some wins where you thought they might not be able to do it even though they needed to do it and they got it done. And, and that was, that was really impressive uh, to see from a different uh, distance. I'm wondering if, if you kind of had the, the same feeling like, you know, they really, they really had to do something different, at least get three wins perhaps. Well, you can say all you want, Hey, they need to do this. They need to do that. The reality is, is, is who takes the field each and every day and, and uh, at what level can they consistently play at? Uh, it, this was a good week. I, I'm not, you know, all of a sudden, you know, feeling like, oh, man, this team can can, you know, go on some historic run. I, I think they're we've watched enough to know that there's there's pieces missing. They they hit a couple home runs on Tuesday. Charlie Blackman's most notable, the uh, the, the three run home run off the bench. And the trip started with Connor Joe hitting one. uh that had to be reviewed, but it was over the wall in left field. They didn't hit any home runs uh, after that. That's a problem. They don't hit home runs. I mean, Jose Iglesias has batted fifth now a number of times. Jonathan Daza has been in, in an RBI spot. Buddy's searching because those guys, neither one of those guys have a home run. Now, they've been great getting the ball in play. They don't strike out. They've been good with, really good with runners in scoring position. That's why Buddy's positioning them there. But we're in an era where you got to hit the ball over the wall. And we know the Rockies play Coors Field. You got to hit the ball over the wall. Um, and would Chris Bryant's presence, you know, help lengthen that lineup? Obviously it would. But it's not, you can't all lay it at the feet of the injury of, of Chris Bryant. They're, they're short in some areas. The reason they won this week, though, is the same reason teams ultimately win more than they lose. And that was pitching. They, the starting pitching was really good. You got two good starts out of Herman, and that's the. I said this on television yesterday. The best thing for me, Patrick, that came out of last week, in addition to the record, was the fact that Herman rough first inning in San Francisco, and everybody's going, "Oh my goodness, here we go again!" Right? Five innings, at, five shutout after that one hit allowed, and then yesterday in seven innings, two runs against a Padre team that had been swinging it really well. He, he looked like the all-star Herman, uh, the, the one slider that got left middle-middle that got hit out of the uh, 
uh, the ballpark by Luke Voigt aside, he was really good. Strikeouts, dominant, guys not looking comfortable at the plate. That was the best thing that came out of the trip. But coupled with that is everyone else, maybe save Chad Cool's outing, really good in the rotation. Gomber bounced back. Uh, you know, Kyle Freeland kind of did his thing, right? And the bullpen quietly has pitched really well over the last week or so. And not just Tyler Kinley, who unfortunately is now on the injured list, and Daniel Bard, who Daniel Bard's been lights out. He's made big leap in dealing with left-handed batters uh, in comparison to last year. Carlos Estevez, velocity up, sharpness of the sliders there. Uh, you, you have a 15-game scoreless stretch now working for Alex Colome, who got off to a rough start in his first season with the Rockies. Lucas Gilbreth, the local kids, pitching really, really well. So you put those two elements together, and guess what? You got a chance to win. And that's that's why the Rockies won four and only lost three and really were in position to you know, maybe go five and two during that uh, that road trip. Yeah, in the last homestand, Buddy, you know, talked about the, the difficulties that they'd been having defensively, uh, obviously offensively, but that the pitching, the starting rotation has been the thing that's kind of let them down the most. Like all of those things haven't always come together, but if the starting pitching is there, it always gives them a chance to win. And you're right. That was the piece there. Uh, and that, that was really one of the biggest things I wanted to talk about today is, is this big rebound that the Rockies had, who had the biggest rebound of, of everybody or the players that bounced back in, in such a significant way. And Marquez, you're right, has to be at the top of that list. Even uh, if you, if you cross out that first inning in San Francisco, his last 12 innings, he only gave up two earned runs, right? It, it was all the – Yeah, and, and low Sunday. hit – and he and guys were hit, you know, hitting over 300, well over 300 against Herman. It's just nothing added up. I was talking to a couple of my colleagues on, on the Padre side, Mark Grant and, and Don Arcillo, about, you know, comparing notes and about Herman. I said, you know, the stuff – uh, you know, looks the same. I mean, this the velocity's there, the sharpness of the brave ball. He's just missing location badly, frequently. Not just a, a little miss, big misses, um, and and you still see some of that. But the last two outings, particularly after the first inning in San Francisco, as you suggest, really good. And they need him. We could talk all we want about the other guys, and and the other guys are all capable. But you need Herman, who has the best stuff and really, truly can be dominant. They need the best version of Herman going forward. It's almost the antithesis of a long reliever who comes in the game and just eats up innings. Like that's the job is just go out there and do that. They need that front of the rotation guy because if you go out there and you just have a quality start from five guys, that's good. But you're not going to get that break that when, when you need it, you need someone that can go out there and shove. And it seemed like all season long, Herman just needed that confidence boost, that little thing to kind of the tip things over the tipping point. And it seemed like maybe Monday was going to be, or Tuesday was going to be that day for him at Oracle park. And it seems like it was again, we're only talking two starts here, but you're right. He flashed that potential. We saw all last year in, in 2021 and what made him, uh, an all-star in 2021. So you got to hope that he can, you know, continue that going forward with his start this weekend again against the Padres. Yeah. And, and they need that. And the reason I say it's a really nice story when Chad cool is pitching for the most part, like he has, but the expectation is Herman's got to lead that staff. 
He has the stuff to lead that staff. He has the pedigree to lead that staff where you truly have, um, you know, a, a number one. I'm, I'm always reluctant to call a guy a, an ace. I really think there's only a, a couple of handful of those guys in baseball year in, year out, the Verlanders, the Scherzers, Kershaw when he was a little bit younger, uh, you know, Walker Bueller's hurt now, but there's not many of those guys. Jacob DeGrom's hurt, but where you go, boy, it, when he's on the mound, high, high likelihood that team's winning that day. And, you know, Herman's certainly not in the class of the aforementioned guys. I think talent-wise, he has that kind of talent, but it's got to be repeat, rinse, repeat, re- rinse and repeat, rinse and right each time. So um, hopefully we're going to we're going to see that good run now from Herman, uh, you know, similar to what we saw the first part of 21. If Feltner does not stay in the rotation now in, in, in yesterday's lineup card, I don't know if you saw that Feltner was listed in the group uh, amongst relievers. So I don't necessarily think that's any kind of indicator, but if he's out of the rotation and, and in the pen, that does mean Marquez is scheduled to start on Saturday for his bobblehead day, which is kind of nice and poetic. He's getting his act together at the right point to get his first ever Rockies bobblehead. You like to see that. And, and you like to see Jonathan Daza, another guy who rebounded nicely with uh, three hits on Sunday after striking out, I think nine times in 22 plate appearances. That's commonplace for a lot of players, but uh, he had only struck out 10 times through his first 122 plate appearances to start the season. So he, you know, rebounded nicely at the plate and, you know, they might Rockies might not be hitting the home runs, but they are taking home runs away, which Daza did in that uh, nice little left field robbery on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, a couple comments on the thoughts you had. I'll, I'll start with your last one. Just shows you how tough the game is because Jonathan Daza struck out 10 times in, what, 140 plate appearances, and then he went through a period where, you know, it seemed like, you know, over a smaller period of time, there were, there was a bunch of strikeouts in there. He He's a really good, you know, bat-to-ball talent. I'm not going to hit the ball over the fence, but I have a lot of confidence he's going to put the ball in play and a lot of times put the ball in play with authority when he's up there, similar to, to Jose Iglesias, nice catch by Daza in the outfield. Uh, um, going back to what your original thought was on Ryan Feltner and the bobblehead sack, you know me, I don't pay attention to promotions. I have no idea if it aligns where Herman is pitching on, on his bobblehead day. Good for him. I will say that I really want to keep seeing Ryan Feltner in the rotation. I don't know what he would have to gain from pitching in the PCL. He's kind of mastered the PCL, the, the, you know, 378 earned run average, which actually was lower uh, earlier in the season and a really difficult pitchers league. We've talked about that many times. Uh, He bounced back after a rough outing and was really dominant uh, against San Diego. And he's, he's made of the right stuff. Uh, he got through six innings. I love that Buddy um, kept him out there to face Machado a third time. Uh, I said on the air, I thought I think this could be a growth moment. And I think Buddy felt the same way. And he got ahead of him quickly, 0-2. And then he induced a weak foul pop-up to C.J. Crone, punched him out twice. There's a lot to like about Feltner. And as the Rockies grow, um, which you – know, we understand they're nowhere near a finished product. They're well below 500 right now. 
I think part of that growth would be to keep Ryan Feltner for me, you know, where he's getting the baseball. Now, how you accomplish that, because you have six guys that are healthy, um, that's why I get paid to talk and not get paid to manage. But we'll, we'll see if the Rockies come up with something uh, creative to keep, you know, to keep Feltner uh, in the rotation. I definitely hope they, they do that uh, as far as creativity goes. Look, I can't be creative with this segue. I just got to tell you to get your butt down to the DNVR bar on Wednesday night for the Stanley Cup Finals. We're only open right now. We're about to go away a massive renovation. But throughout the Stanley Cup Finals, we're going to have the game on open three hours before puck drop down on the corner of Colfax in York at the DNVR bar. And remember, if you're not a member uh, already, it's only 50 cents for your first month. If you want an annual membership, you get a free shirt from dnvrlocker.com. Not any free shirt with our logo on. It can be any of the ones that you see around town here in Denver and all throughout Colorado. If it's Nuggets, Avs, whatever you want it to be, it is yours for free. Price breaks on our tailgates, party bus, a member-sized beer when you're down at the DNVR bar, and of course, extra raffle tickets to win all kinds of free gear that we are giving away all throughout the Stanley Cup Finals. And if you want to go for a brief little walk or go for a drive to have a good time at some point, go down to the Lightshade Dispensary, Colorado's premier dispensary. They got the Wana Optimal's Fast Asleep Gummies. They are great for helping you sleep quicker and just sleep better overall. My father swears by it. Um, and he only learned about it by going in and talking with the folks at Lightshade. If you don't really know what's going on in that world, but you're looking for something for maybe some aches and pains that you might have, they'll tell you the difference between CBD, THC, all that good stuff, and really make sure you've got the best product in your hands. There's 11 in the Denver metro area. So go in, tell them DNVR sent you, use that code so you can get a nice 25% off discount on all non-sale items at Lightshade dispensary and if you're enjoying what you're seeing right now with drew goodman and myself where you can see a lot more of us on evoca tv yes go to evoca.tv slash dnvr and use code dnvr on top of that so you can save another ten dollars so instead of it being 25 dollars a month for your first three months it's only going to be 15 dollars now with code dnvr but basically what you're going to get is altitude sports at&t sportsnet as well as the DNVR Sports Channel. So all of that comes in one package all throughout the Rocky Mountain region. You'll get Nuggets, you'll get Avs, Rockies, Rapids, even college sports with CSU, Denver Pioneers, and again, most importantly, me. And and the rest of the crew, of course, uh, at DNVR Sports. That's evoca.tv slash DNVR, and use code DNVR for $10 off your first three months. You, are you okay, uh, Goody, with uh, knowing that uh, we're going to be neighbors here on someone's, uh, you know, channel dial, so to speak, with Evoca TV? Yeah, Evoca is great. Any way people can get, you know, sports television in particular at a reasonable price, I'm all in. Good deal. Yeah, can't beat that. I also, uh, we were talking about, you know, how good this homestand was and, you know, maybe, maybe not a historic turnaround, but I did go back and look the old media guide at the 10 best road trips the Rockies had ever had and four and three, not, not even close. You know, they've had 10 trips uh, of 800 winning percentage or better. And only one of those road trips came entirely in California, a seven and O record. And 
I know you remember this very well because it's pretty historic to, to do yeah, that. It was 2007. Yeah, quite quite historic to have been able to do that. I think that was San Diego and, and L.A. So just just unbelievable. That that again that underlines how difficult it is uh, to have any success in Colorado uh, in California. So that again the four and three homestand I think was really good. I was also surprised to find out that this wasn't the longest between starting the season and playing someone in the division. I figured because the whole first week had gotten canceled that them playing San Diego here now in the third month of the season would have been the longest, but I, there was some weird anomaly with the schedule in the year 2000 and they didn't play San Diego, San Diego until game 75 and they didn't play the Dodgers until game 92. I don't know what they were doing back then. But yeah. That's a wild one. Yeah. I didn't realize that. <laughs> that's, that is crazy. That's, that's quite a hiccup in the schedule. Uh, you know, this year will be different. We know that they have to play another doubleheader in San Diego. That was the first scheduled doubleheader in the history of Petco Park on Saturday. Yeah. And uh, they, and then the last week of the season, they play six in a row in L.A. Fun, fun times. So had they had they never had uh, so I guess they had never had a rain out at Petco. There, there was a rain out at Petco, and I think we made it up on an off day. I, I can't believe this, but and we were laughing when it was happening because we're like, well, "Where's the uh, tarp? They don't even have a tarp." There was, the Rockies were rained out once at Petco Park, and you know that that's when uh, <laughs> that's when you knew things were strange. All right, that all right, that makes sense because it seemed like not an impossibility, but we, we were talking about this on our uh, Sunday live show or the Monday podcast that uh, the only time that the Rockies had ever played a doubleheader in San Diego was their first ever doubleheader in August of 1993 and said, well, it doesn't rain in San Diego, but they could have had another one. They just happened to have an off day the next day. So that, that would explain why we had gone 29 years between doubleheaders and this one was the schedule. So it had nothing to even do with the weather. Yeah. That was a long Saturday. I'll tell you that anytime you play two, it's long, it's long on everyone. Um, and then you turn it around quickly because the next day is a day game. Uh, so there was a, there was a lot of time at Petco park for everyone involved. And I'm sure I, I know it's not, I'm sure this isn't guesswork. The players were thrilled that today is an off day. There were four Padres who played in both games of the doubleheader on Saturday, and then were in the starting lineup on Sunday. That's that was curious to say the least. Well, I think the Rockies. Uh, I, I'd have to look. I mean, Connor Joe, I think, was in the lineup all three, right? Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, we also had in the, in the bullpen for the first time in in quite some time two pitchers throwing in both ends of the doubleheader, which, you know, I, I didn't think was an impossibility, but I knew it was somewhat of a rarity. I don't know if, if uh, Doug was able to get you this, the stat on that, like the last time that had ever happened where two Rockies had pitched or, or any Rocky had pitched in both ends of a doubleheader. Did you, did you guys talk about that on the broadcast at all? No, no, I didn't, I didn't catch that one. Doug, Doug's uh New, you know, his new schedule, Doug's only with us at home these days. He used to travel with us, but he's only with us at home. But no, I didn't, uh, I didn't catch that. What's the answer there? So, uh, Steve is, Steve lasted in 2016, his rookie year. I'm not sure if, I think he was the last one to, to have ever pitched in both ends, but in, uh, on June 2nd, 2015, 
Raphael Betancourt and Boone Logan pitched in both ends of a doubleheader. So we had gone seven years since that had happened for the Rockies. Yeah, and those guys, that doesn't surprise me. Betancourt, <laughs> Betancourt would never turn down the baseball. Boone Logan was 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 the same, you know, the same ilk. He was going to take the baseball. And I guarantee you, listen, we'll check a lineup here in a little bit at, at Wrigley. The Padres are at Wrigley. I guarantee, I guarantee you Machado and Cronenworth are in there. I mean, they just yeah. play. Uh, Huey and I talked about this on, on the air the other day. I have great respect for, well, for all, for all those guys. But, you know, Manny Machado is a guy that we always heard about from afar when he was in the other league with Baltimore. And you say, oh, man, he's a gold glove fielder and, you know, really good offensive player and year after year, pretty consistent. And then he comes to the Dodgers and now he's settled in with the Padres the last few years. So you get to see him regularly as opposed to hearing about his exploits or catching, uh, you know, some of the highlights on MLB network and, and ESPN, that sort of thing. You know, what's really impressive about him. He's on a hall of fame trajectory. He posts up every day. I love that. Every day he's in the lineup. You never go, oh yeah, this guy's always got a nagging this or a nagging that. And I'm and I'm not saying that the that for those players that do have, you know, injuries from time to time and you know historically miss games, that's unfortunate. This guy is always out there. And I think Cronenworth is made of the same kind of stuff. I think he he just though every day he's gonna be in the lineup. He's just gonna look, am I playing second? Occasionally I guess I'll play first. It's yeah, impressive. I'm going to look it up for you right now. Ah, it's probably a little early. Probably no lineup out, but go ahead. No, he's he's probably the guy that you'd you'd have the most confidence in, in saying we'll get to 3,000 hits, barring some kind of rule change. Because I mean, think of the tens of thousands of base hits from left fielders, or excuse me, from left-handed hitters uh, to right field that have been hits for 120 plus years. Now all of a sudden, in the last 10. They're just gobbled up, and you see four three or five three in, in right field. But Machado, that that's not the case because he's there every day because he posts up. It's definitely a mentality. I talked to Vinny Castilla about this actually uh, at the last homestand because you know he has the consecutive game streak uh, for the Rockies. I think three hundred seven games, and he talked about like no, like I I just wanted to be in there all the time. And and as the conversation developed, it was like you know then we started to learn what altitude does and. It almost almost like it impacts how people think of like, oh wow, this is really hard. So I should take my days as players should take those days, and Manny does take those days as well. But it was just you know a, of a different mindset, a different era of I got to go out there and play each and every day, and, and I can't really worry about tomorrow or next season just yet. Yeah, and Charlie's always been that way. Charlie Black yeah. and Buddy, especially a few years ago, would characterize it as a you know a virtual fist fight to get him to take a day off he'd come in and and say no I, i'm good i need you know I, i'm fine and and you love that about charlie cj crone he quietly he started every single game but one this year and yeah a little less wear and tear on he doesn't have to especially being at coors field where the home side is the first base side he can you know, just stroll over to first base. And I know that sounds weird, but, you know, if you're running to left field nine times, Charlie and I had this conversation once and he, you know, Charlie's got, um, you know, looks at everything analytically. And I think he, you know, he added up that he he runs an extra mile every 
game just running out to its position in center field as opposed to if you're you know jogging to you know first base so uh, interesting but i did want to point that out uh, you know about about a guy like machado and every day particularly when you're at home or only when you're at home you make that run in from center field or right field or left field and then you're leading off the game that that's another one of those elements that you know sometimes does get talked about a bit when you know, you're, you're talking about who's a good fit for a batting leadoff because it's it's not necessarily a job. I, I've heard people discuss it for, for a young player, for like a rookie because of that, you know, immediately you got to get ready pretty darn quick. Whereas, you know, and again, we know that that happens during the game, but you're guaranteed for that to happen each and every game when you bat leadoff. And they're trying to move move things along uh, in between innings, get the, you know, the pitcher throwing his eight pitches and, and moving along. I'll, I'll give you another example. I've seen this firsthand from my you know, middle son who's a college catcher and all guys now wear more equipment, but you take the catcher, for instance. So you've got to get all his gear off. He's got to get the, at the big league level, he's got to get the pitch com off. If there's another wristband, which in college there are, you got to get that off. And then you're going to probably put on an elbow guard. You probably, a lot of guys are putting on a lower leg guard. And then you want to get loose and actually swing the bat a little bit, maybe with the donut. Well, by that time, you know, there's a home plate umpire said, get in the box. So many times if the catcher is leading off that next inning, he may take a couple of quick practice swings and roll his neck. And now he's in there and he's, and he's got a hit as opposed to having the luxury of, you know, a little bit more time and going through your routine. And we know everyone has a routine to properly get yourself uh, ready for that AB. I still have nightmares. I mean, I, I, this this is how privilege my life is, that this is what I dream about that makes me anxious. But I have nightmares of like, hey, Lions, you're up, and I'm and I'm not ready. Because I, I caught like up until once I got to high school, I was, I was out from catching. But I have nightmares about that of like, oh, man, I don't have my batting gloves yet. You know, I don't have this. I don't have my batting helmet. I feel, I feel that pain. And, and I can remember... Do you remember that Philly series? Uh, JT Realmuto, it seemed like every time he was on base or every time he was up, he got on base and it took forever for him to get out. Most innings, it felt like he was back behind the plate for one warm-up pitch and he was throwing it down to second base. It took him a while to go back and forth and do that whole thing all the time. Well, when I was going through some of the stuff, most catchers are going to wear a, a glove underneath Obviously, their mitt, mitt, their catcher's mitt, right? That's not a batting glove. It's usually a little more padded. So they take that off, and then if they wear batting gloves, you're putting those on. So that's another thing that has to happen. All this has to happen in a minute and a half. I mean, that's tough. Yeah, that's the mention. Now I'm refocusing. That's why when you have a catcher who performed like Buster Posey on both sides of the ball and was such a a big threat offensively or JT Romuto, it's gold. It's, it's gold. When you have a catcher that is a legitimate um, plus offensive player, or in the case of Posey plus plus real Muto, uh, the same thing. Yeah. I actually gained a, a new respect for real Muto and like seeing him so much. Cause then they, they had Philly uh, in Philadelphia right around that exact same time. So watching him a lot, I, I really gained a new appreciation for uh, you know, how good he is. It, it's almost like you said, with, with all the equipment, it's almost like in hockey, if, if the goal goaltender 
was like, okay, now I'm going to, I'm going to push up a little bit, you know, and, uh, and, and being a winger or something like that. Oh, hold on. Let me just take all this equipment off. Oh, now I got to put it back on and get in front of the net. Yeah. I think it's, it's very unique in, in sport to be a catcher for sure. No, it is. And I think at one point in time, speaking of speeding up play angel hernandez was behind the plate and he kind of got into it with kyle freeland because i think he wanted him to pick it up in in between innings or something along those lines i gotta ask kyle exactly but they were kind of barking at each other uh during a commercial break um, you know right before the start of an inning yeah i remember hearing that i think maybe jorge alfaro was at the plate or something like that at, at that moment i was curious that was, yeah that, that was actually that was actually a different uh situation but oh, it was okay yeah, yeah. do you do you know what happens in double headers uh, i'd asked someone about it and didn't get a response because on friday night i saw angel hernandez in second base uh, as a second base ump and i thought like okay here we go uh, in two days so in, in game two of, of the double header uh we could have ourselves an ump show and then for game one on saturday he wasn't on the field. And I thought, uh, maybe when there's double headers, they work in a fifth man and they've got something going on for that. Do you, do you know what the deal is? Yeah, Why, that's, that, that's the way it works. Any, yeah, okay. anytime, anytime there's a double header, um, it's in the umpire's union, something they negotiated, I'm sure, that whoever works the play in game one will have game two off. And whoever's going to work the plate in game two will have game one off. So they do bring in a fifth umpire and... And that's why, you know, Angel, you know, didn't work one of those games and then went behind the plate. And it's the same thing for Adrian Johnson. So Angel was the crew chief on Friday in the game that Adrian Johnson was behind the plate because Adrian's a, a veteran umpire as well. Adrian Johnson uh, with Hernandez sitting out was the was the crew chief. And then the next day it went back with with Herna- Angel being the crew chief. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's those little details we, we get very interested in. Um, here's a good little detail, and I'm curious of your thought on uh, on your research of what you've done on a Mr. Jake Bird. Uh, we, we got word over the weekend, you know, he was on the taxi squad, then he was added to the 40-man, uh, was in the bullpen. And this young man, I mean, last year I, I started taking a lot more notice of him, uh, was, was really solid in, in Hartford and Albuquerque. And then this year, 2.77 ERA in that in that league, which – the league ERA in the Pacific Coast League is probably double that. Had a whip under one and nearly 12 strikeouts per nine. Uh, right-handed reliever, Jake Bird. Uh, I saw, a chance to see him. Yeah, I, I saw the numbers are great, as, as you just uh, illustrated. And I saw him in spring training, and I was like, well, that, that looks right. That, that looks really good. And... So he, you know, yes, he's somebody that's been on the Rockies' radar, and now he's going to get an opportunity. We'll, we'll, we'll see how long the opportunity is, but Kenley's going to be down. Uh, it's retroactive to a few days ago. Hopefully it's nothing more than the 15-day IL. He did uh, battle some of the nerve issue in the UCL. UCL. Um, I want to make sure I have it right, the tendon in there uh, a year ago. They, they were hopeful they didn't have to put him on the um, – on, on the injured list. But anyhow, it'll be good to see Jake Bird. The Rockies have some exciting position players that you and I collectively have talked about and individually have talked about on uh, at other times on my podcast. And 
and uh, it's exciting. The Tovars of the world and the Drew Romos of the world and, you know, even going further to a high school, excuse me, to a teenage kid, you know, Amador in, in Fresno, uh, Yankeel Fernandez. There's a, there's a long list of Zach Veen and Benny Montgomery the, of position players. And you say, okay, well, where, where are the big name pitchers? Where, where are the prospects who are pitchers? Well, you're going to need some on both ends, right? You're going to need, you're going to need the, the starting pitchers naturally, and you're going to need guys who come up uh, and, and work out of the pen and can be, you know, guys that protect leads. So I'm, I'm intrigued by watching Bird. I know we've seen Chad Smith twice. Once was phenomenally dominant, and the next one was not good. Uh, but he's getting his feet wet, and that's part of the process. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to watch Bird when he when he gets some uh, opportunity. Hey, he was a fifth round pick out of UCLA back in 2018, and it's funny that you how you brought up Chad Smith because it got me thinking that. And again, we got a long way to go. These guys just started their big league careers, but this is why you watch because you say Jake Bird, Chad Smith, who are these guys? I mean, maybe they are the next iteration of uh, of Adam Ottavino and Scott Oberg. Uh, almost exactly in that order where Oberg drafted and developed by the Rockies like uh, uh, Jake Bird and Chad Smith came over uh, in a trade with Miami, whereas Adovino was uh, a Cardinals uh, prospect before the Rockies picked him up. So long way to go, but there is that potential there that that you could really have something. Yeah. Um, and, and you never know where it comes from and how it, you know, how it comes to be. But again, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more Chad Smith down the road. And I'm looking forward to seeing Jake Bird, Chris Bryant. Some updates, you know, he's swinging a fungo. I think he took some soft tosses. Still, you know, no timeline. But it was nice again seeing him with the team, traveling, you know, doing some of those things, and 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 in the dugout, still being a presence, you know, uh, in the clubhouse and on the roster. Well, it, it's easier for him. I would think to be around the club because you don't feel like when you're hurt, you're there, but you're not there. You're not, it's not like you're checking the lineup card. You, Yeah. You, you guys high fives and that sort of stuff, but you're just doing your thing and, and you know, you can't impact uh, the outcome, which has to be tremendously frustrating for, for Chris or for any injured player. And, and we all give periodic updates, but it's a back and, and they want to make sure since he's already come back once and had to quickly return to the injured list, they got to get that thing right. And um, so when that, when that time is um, that that's when I'll start, you know, getting excited about it with, with fingers crossed that he's able to, to stay on the field. And I'm sure he feels the same way and he wants to make sure um, that, that it is closer to hundred percent this time than whatever it was, when he attempted his return a couple of weeks ago, but you're, you're, it's not like you're about to see Chris Bryant. You're not going to see him this week. Yeah. He's getting the best care possible from the Rockies organization and the trainers. Uh, and if you want to get the best care you can get for your teeth, step up that dental game, check out green mountain dental group. They've taken great care of all of our DNVR members over the years, especially those who made that permanent switch and Look, let's face it, we got to get ready for this parade. If you want your smile to be a pearly white smile, well then schedule cleaning, x-ray, and exam with Green Mountain Dental Group. They'll actually hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush when you do that. And you can just swing by whenever you want because it's located just 15 minutes from downtown Denver. As Goody mentioned, yeah, I start my day off with a run today. Felt great. The only thing I had this morning besides a little bit of iced coffee was my athletic greens that's it one scoop gave me 75 high quality vitamins whole food sourced superfoods probiotics minerals adaptogens 
you name it, got me going, got me feeling right so I can, you know, be my best and get my stomach and gut health. You know, it's not something that's talked about a ton, but you got to get your gut health right. And for me, Athletic Greens gets the job done to make it easy for you. Athletic Greens is hooking you up with a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash ROC. Those are the first few letters of Rockies. That's how you know that I say, you patch clients. Uh, it's athleticgreens.com slash ROC to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Well, we've got, for the first time since 2017, and technically for the first time ever, the Cleveland Guardians coming to town for a three-game set this week. The surprising, you did, you said the name wrong, Patrick. It's the surprising Cleveland Guardians. Yes. They're a couple games over 500. I was doing, on the, on the flight back last night, I was doing some preliminary homework on Tito Francona's Cleveland Guardians. I'm like, <laughs> wait a second, they're over 500? They're chasing the socks. The White Sox have been slipping. There's been a couple, uh, couple chants. Uh, you I, never I, want I, the manager to get his name chanted. I'll say that it's never a good sign. Yeah. So they they've been beating the. I don't want to say beating the teams they should beat because they weren't looked upon going into the season as as they were going to be great. But uh, you know, early on they took some lumps when they matched up with the better teams in the league. I know they got swept by the Yankees early on, and 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 a couple other you know teams that that look like they're clearly playoff teams took care of business against Cleveland but over the last five six weeks you know when they match up against a sub 500 team they're winning series and and they're above 500 good for them and quietly in the American League you think naturally of Judge you think of Otani you think of Trout Uh, Ramirez Jose Ramirez is having a phenomenal year he has 59 ribbies right now he has been one of the three best offensive players in baseball again this year he's not a big guy he's kind of stocky nondescript five nine you know 195 200 pounds and he's a winning player he hits the ball all over the field hits it over the wall he's a gamer he's a good base runner Jose Ramirez. So it'll be fun to watch Jose Ramirez Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday uh, at Coors Field and the surprising Cleveland Guardians. I mean, I think they're going to get Shane Bieber uh, out of the gate. You know, Shane Bieber's a you know, top flight pitcher still. Yeah, their their rotation is is on point. They, I mean, Cleveland is. I feel like for the last decade, and especially since Terry Francona has been around, but they are they are now the new Moneyball team. Right where they can trade all their players away, but you just know you don't even have to know who the guys are. You just go, they're gonna figure it out. They'll they'll have a good rotation. They got rid of, you know, Corey Kluber and and, and a whole slew of, of starting pitchers. And then Shane Bieber comes in, wins the Cy Young in 2020. And then the guy that I had as my rookie of the year last year, and he's he's doing it now this year. We should see him on Thursday. Tristan McKenzie. I think this guy, Doctor Sticks, uh, he's pretty nasty. I, I'm very much looking forward to seeing him pitch on Thursday afternoon. It's always fun seeing the American League teams that uh, as much fun as it is to see the the Yankees and the Red Sox and obviously the Angels with the with the star-studded cast headlined by Trout and, and Otani. It's also fun to see some teams 
and, and it's more so in the American League Central, I think, that you're not as readily familiar with, even somebody uh, or, or somebody or a group of somebodies like you and me that make a living in baseball, yet the names don't roll off your tongue. And, and Minnesota is, is coming up. Minnesota's a team like that. And, and Cleveland, uh, maybe less so the White Sox because they have a lot of big name uh, players. But yeah, Cleveland's had a sneaky good season so far. So uh, it, it should be entertaining the next few days. Yeah, not not bad. They got rid of Francisco Lindor, and yeah, they they keep rolling along. And Connor Pilkington, I don't know quite as much about, but uh, he's a rookie, and he's in the rotation, and uh, he'll he'll be going on Wednesday. It always throws me off when there's not a a game to start the week, and the series starts on Tuesday. But uh, for the Rockies, it'll be Senzatella, Gomber, and Chad Cool should be should be scheduled that way. So. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, Tito Francona is one of the gems of the game. He's he's really engaging guy. And and I don't know him well at all, but I, you know, I've talked to him over the years here and there. And he's just, he's engaging, he's friendly, he's warm, and, he, and he's candid. And I was chatting with him before the Rockies played the Guardians in spring training at Salt River Fields in the latter part of March. And among the, you know, among the many things that he shared, he goes, this is going to be rough this year. I don't, I don't know how good we're going to be. Um, he, he wasn't overly optimistic. And so right now through, you know, close to 60 ball games, they've, they've done a little better than hang in there. They're, they're, they've truly been, uh, you know, so far, uh, I would, I would have to characterize them as a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Uh, couldn't agree more. Uh, pleasant, uh, an unpleasant surprise. Well, it's probably pleasant for the Rockies, but uh, unpleasantly, as you mentioned earlier, Giants swept the Dodgers. Uh, the LA have lost six of their last eight, and maybe worse because they can sustain those kind of losses uh, over a short period of time. But Walker Bueller hit the injured list and probably won't throw from for another six to eight weeks, straining his right elbow. So they already seem like they were. They're probably looking at acquiring a starting pitcher before the deadline. And at this point, you know, it, it might be uh, two for them uh, with Bueller down and out. Yeah. It, one of the things that cracks me up, I'm glad you mentioned that uh, I'll leave the name out of it, but, but one of, you know, one of the distinguished baseball journalists whose job it is to, you know, their information guys. So they incessantly tweet. Um, immediately came out and said, well, you know, this feels that the Dodgers, you know, the Dodgers are, will be in a market for a starting pitcher. I felt like going, yeah, no shit. I mean, the, the, the Dodgers in the market for a starting pitcher. They're always in the market for a starting pitcher. They were going to be in the market for a starting pitcher um, prior to Bueller going down. Uh, they were thinner in their rotation going into the season than, than they've been in some years. Um, so this just you know, it, it, it was kind of stating the obvious uh, for me. But, yeah, if you're the Dodgers and if you're Andrew Friedman, you have to be concerned in that the Padres aren't going away. The Giants are hanging in there. We all hope, you know, that the Rockies somehow can can get healthy and, and play better defensively and, and continue to pitch like they did the last week and, and maybe make things interesting. But the, the Dodgers are not the 106 win Dodgers of last year. They don't they don't have that same depth. It's going to be it's going to be challenged and we'll see what moves they make and how they respond. But, you know, they 
for them to go to San Francisco against a team that's good but not great. They're, I, last year, everything aligned and they won 107 games. You and I have discussed that. To go up to, to their arch rivals and lose three straight like that and then coupled with not playing great coming in. We, when was the last time we talked about the Dodgers in a slump collectively? It's been years. Yeah. Or at least it seems like it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's very true. Yeah, they they do things well, uh, no doubt about it. Yeah, they're going to be uh, active. I, I feel like we probably should be getting our first trade here at some point. Probably not a blockbuster yet. Still too early uh, for a blockbuster deal. I mean, shoot, yeah, I can't remember. You know, it, it depends because I always look at it this way, Patrick. If you're a team that you really know you're not in it, you're in the process, whatever, somewhere in that rebuilding process, why not instead of waiting till the latter part of July where the team that it, you're you're partnering with is going to get coveted player for two months why not do something preemptively and get three you know if you're let's take the Dodgers and you're saying well boy we really need a starting pitcher and you're you're a team out there that's probably not going anywhere and maybe you have a coveted starting pitcher well why not you're going to get more if you can trade that person for three or three and a half months to a team that's you know where you have leverage maybe yeah, they, maybe you get an extra prospect back yeah no for sure you dominican summer league type player where hey they're really far off and we don't know even know what we've got yet sure why not i mean shoot the, the dodgers did something like that uh, when, when it came to the Josh Fields deal, and they gave up Jordan Al Alvarez, so they didn't even know which Jordan Alvarez they gave up. They had two of them. They gave up the wrong one. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so there, you know, there's a there's a couple teams out there. You know, not as many, obviously, in in a month from now when you say, eh, all right, we're past the halfway point. I think this team's out of it, so we'll trade. But you know, club that the Dodgers have linked up with a lot uh, in in the past. The Cincinnati Reds. You know, they went and they made you know tons of trades this off season. To you know, the week in their roster and not very good, and, and they've got a you know a bunch of different starters. So, you know, just just looking at that, you gotta you gotta figure out maybe Luis Castillo or, or Sonny Gray is gonna end up. Not Sonny Gray, he's with the Minnesota Twins now, uh, but Luis Castillo is gonna end up uh, on Tyler the Dodgers. Haley. Sure, he's one of those guys. A couple more years of control um, for a guy like him, Graham Ashcroft. You know, a, a rookie. I, I think the uh, I think the Reds would want to. Would do right by holding on to some of their younger guys, but Luis Castillo, why not? You know, because he's going to be expensive once he uh, enters free agency here and in, in the next year or two. So that could happen. You know, the Marlins have have a few of those guys, and man, their rotation is really solid. But they're just not winning ball games just yet. I think they're going to probably want to maybe hold on to, you know, the likes of Pablo Lopez and Sandy Alcantara uh, as they continue to you know try to rebuild in the next couple seasons. But uh, it, it, the hot stove season is is really going to start to heat up once the finals are out of the way. I don't want to say the Stanley Cup out of the way because this is this is a good one. But hot stove league is about to heat up. Yeah, and when you have teams that are very aggressive, San Diego, you know, listen, you know, AJ Preller is going to be aggressive, even if he, even when it seemed like boy he was all set with his rotation, he went out and made another move, you know, a couple off seasons ago, and. I would expect them to do something. I still think they'd like to trade Eric Hosmer and play Jay Cronenworth at first. So, yeah, it, it's a fun time. It's a, it, it's a, always an interesting time. Uh, 
when, when you look at baseball globally and, and then specifically with the Rockies, how they move forward and handle their business over the next, you know, four to six weeks. It's funny. You bring up a trade of Hosmer. It makes me think that we could start to see a lot more of those baseball trades, right? Sometimes there it can be a challenge trade, so to speak, two guys of similar abilities. Uh, we know that the Rockies did that this offseason, a, a just good old baseball trade, Tapia for Grichuk with a couple pieces thrown in there rather than, hey, you know, take this money off the books and give us a prospect. It's like, look, we're both trying to, you know, gain while giving something up at, at the same time. Maybe we see uh, a few more of those kind of things as teams aren't going to be able to tank quite as much. So they may need to hold on to their prospects. We're going to have to wait and see what happens. But uh, that would be fun. I, I would definitely welcome that if we just saw some more of those old school baseball trades of, of two, two successful teams challenging each other to say, who's going to win this one? Who's going to get the better of the deal? Yeah, and, and undoubtedly you will see that. You definitely will see that. Um, and, and it's amazing because the calendar flies when you're immersed in the season. And it's June 13th today. So especially once it hits July 1, when there's defined needs for certain teams and they've established that they're postseason caliber teams, they're, they're going to be more aggressive. And I think maybe more aggressive – early on to your suggestion than maybe in years past where it always seems to be a flurry of activity in the last, you know, 12 to 18 hours uh, of the trade deadline. Do you realize that right now we are living in a world where for the first time in 27 years, we do not have a manager named Joe in MLB. You, you come up with some really interesting and, um, Thought provoking. <laughs> I don't know if they're thought provoking, but they're um, you and you and Mark Stat need to go have beers sometime. He he had a whole question. It was one of the rainouts. It was about it was National Utah Day, and he went on about Bruce Hurst with Bud Black, all about all that stuff. Oh, and then and I of course I sidled over to him. I'm like, all right, now I created a couple spreadsheets in the off season. Uh, did you know the Rockies drafted six players from Utah? They never made it to the majors. And so, yeah, we, we have some of those good conversations from time to time. Uh, as the great Forrest Gump would say, you guys are two peas in a pod. Or two, definitely... you know, right? <laughs> two peas in a pod. Well, Mark's, the, uh... great. Mark's great. So please don't take that as, uh, as any sort of slight. I, I love uh, that. Yeah, I'm being serious. Here. One of the great things about the – feast that is baseball and we all are participating in bringing different dishes to the feast right so when we get ready for a broadcast particularly at home so i mentioned you know dougie's dougie's with us at every home game doug marino you know doug looks at the at the game a certain way when i research I look at the game a certain way. With Jeff Houston or Ryan Spielberg's research, they look at it a, a certain way. When we have Dan, we used to a guy by the name of Dan Hyatt, he looks at it a certain way. Um, Warren Miller is helping us on the research side from afar. You probably don't even know that. He looks at the game a certain way. And then you, you so you get different baskets to put on the table, right? And, and Mark Stout's that way. Mark looks at the game and he goes, oh, whose birthday is today? Oh, it's National Utah Day. Well, who did the Rockies have that played, you know, or some you? Who are the most 
prominent guys from Utah. And it spawns a whole conversation. I find it interesting. I find the, many of them, you know, delightful. And they're, and they're, you know, a nice little excursion still within the, the, the body of baseball. Um, and, and that's, I, I know I'm on a tangent right now, but that's the great thing about broadcasting baseball. And you're doing it as, as a podcaster also in that it lends itself, yes, to being anecdotal because the pace of play it lends itself to going off on branches from time to time that don't distract or take away from the focus, which is still the game, but we can get other topics in that are, you know, somewhat, maybe sometimes really distantly related to the game of baseball. And I love that. And I love how different people view it. Like when Doug's around, he's going to try to work in some cat from the Federalist League from 140 years ago. That's just the way he rolls. I love that. Yeah. Well, hey, Mark Stout, Doug Marino, and myself, we are a can of cranberry sauce. And hey, I'm just glad to be at, at, at the feast. I'm yeah, glad so, to be here. Absolutely. We both are. So so nobody named Joe managing now that Madden and Girardi have been kicked to the curb. Is there that true? Go. By the way, did you verify? Because I know it, you're my source. Can you verify? Yes that Madden went and got a Mohawk and got fired after he got the Mohawk and never got to show the team the Mohawk? I did hear that. Yes. I did hear wow. that. Yep. But those those so, are the things. And they, they still can't win. It, it worked for Philadelphia. They got rid of their Joe, and they you know went on like a 9-1 and tear, but it did not let, quite work for the Angels. Let me tell you a couple of quick stories that were related to me to give you an idea how cool both Joes are. Joe Girardi gets fired one hour after getting fired. He still went on his radio show and did the whole radio show. Not bitter. He was great. First day rooting for Robbie Thompson, legitimately rooting for the Phillies. This is part of what happens in professional sport. I mean, he totally got it right. Classy. Joe Madden gets axed. You know how close Joe and buddy black are. So I'm chatting with buddy and buddy says, yeah, I reached out to Joe and, Joe texted him back. He goes, hey, Pepe Negro, I'll get back to you after the game on the golf course. He goes, I shot a 42 on the front. Hey, that's it. Water hey, off a duck's it. back. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, yeah, well, Joe Madden's he's a Boulder guy at heart, man. I, that summer yeah. he spent in Boulder, uh, got engaged to his wife there. He's he's definitely got those Colorado vibes. He's very, very relaxed. And before you talked about, you know, me and, and Mark being two peas in a pod. The pea that was on your pod last week, I like that for a segue, Kyle Keefe talking a lot about uh, a little uh, professional hockey team, ice hockey team, I believe, yeah. Colorado Avalanche. That's that's a real good one for anyone who didn't listen to that when it dropped last Thursday. This town, this state, this region is going to be on its ear the next uh, – oh, the next – 10, 12, 14, whatever it takes. And yeah. hopefully for the third time we see the Avalanche hoist the Stanley Cup. They're, they're 12 and 2 as they embark on this series beginning Wednesday at home against Tampa. Tampa has been, you know, hints of a dynasty. They've won, and it's so hard now to do this. They've won two in a row, and now they're in a third in a row with a chance. So 
it, it, it's going to be a, a lot of fun. And Kyle Keefe, uh, Kyle does such a marvelous job on altitude hosting pre and post game. He's been with the Avalanche for years and years and years. And so we kind of break a lot of things down and, and, and talk about the Avalanche run thus far uh, on the podcast this week. And uh, coming up later in the week, we'll have Walt Weiss on. And Walt, um, it's not just like baseball stuff. It, it's different stories that will make you smile and uh, and some of them will make you laugh as well, I think. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. The the one with Keith was great for for two reasons. One, he inadvertently gave uh, DNVR a shout out. He was talking about the video of all the players saying, hey, should we touch it? And in reference to the Campbell Bowl that you get for winning the Western Conference Finals and Joe Sackick, they all turned to Joe Sackick and he said, yeah, go ahead and touch the cup. Like I, I touched it. That voiceover was done by our guy, Nathan Rudolph, uh, Rudo, uh, affectionately titled. So that was cool. And then there was a quote that I absolutely loved. I wrote it down. I'm never going to forget it now. I don't know if it, it was. I saw it somewhere where it was attributed to Bruce Lee, but Kyle Keefe mentioned that pain will leave once it's done teaching you. And I thought, yeah. I love that. Because I always think pain is weakness leaving the body. That's that's something I say. I, I was uh, chastised for it over the weekend. Didn't have the air conditioner on. My wife was away. So inside when it was outside, when it was 95 degrees, it was 89 degrees inside. And I thought, should I have turned the air conditioner on at some point? And pain leaving the body you know, pain is, is done with you is done. Once you're, once you're done learning, all of that ties in together really nicely. So, uh, another, another, another banger of a podcast, Drew, I'll yeah. good in the podcast. I, I appreciate that. We had fun. I, uh, Kyle's such a likable guy. And, and what's neat is he put, as you can tell, he puts his fan hat on this time of year and, and he's all in and we text back and forth during the game and, and after the game and kind of compare notes. So I'm comparing notes. I'm, 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 you know, I've, it's been a while since I covered them on a regular basis, but it, it's going to be a blast at the NBR bar. You, I mean, I've seen shots of it. It's going to be, you know, off the chain, like my buddy Alfred Williams would say. And um, uh, I'm, I'm really excited. I get nervous, though. That's one of the things we talked about, Patrick. I get nervous. It's like so rare when the Rockies are playing a tight game and it's ninth inning against the Dodgers. I, I'm, I want them to win badly, but I'm doing my job. So I, you can't let, you know, the, the fan part really doesn't enter into it to the level it does that when I'm sitting there watching the avalanche and can do nothing about it. Right. And, you know, in hockey, everything, you're always living on the edge because one goal is enormous. And sometimes it can be fluky. In fact, oftentimes it can be fluky. So it's, um, it's stressful, man. <laughs> right now, it's good. Like these next couple of weeks, I'm going to be like, "Oh man, this is awesome," but it's stressful. It's nonstop. Yeah, it's, it's nonstop. Yeah, uh, we just hope it ends in a parade. Four, if it's four games or seven, what doesn't matter. You're right. right. Let's, let's yeah. bring the cup home. I hear you, man. I I'm excited. You. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. Uh, follow Drew Goodman at Drew Goodman forty two on Twitter. And again, new podcast dropping this Thursday with Walt Weiss. So it's going to be another great one. We are at DNVR underscore Rockies at Patrick D Lyons is myself. Susie is at the Susie Hunter on Twitter. Thanks for helping, giving us a little bit of momentum here, Drew. I appreciate it. But you know what they say about momentum? And I say they, I mean me. It's only as good as your next show. So we'll talk to you then.